Whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. That's the Kalam cosmological argument. And today on the show, I'm going to discuss that argument with none other none other than Blake Junta, and he is the creator of beliefmap.org. And we had a great conversation. I think you'll enjoy. If you do, be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, leave us a review, and of course, if you want access to the bonus segment, five more minutes, then uh, follow the Patreon link in the description below and become a supporter of the show. Thanks so much, guys, and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Help Me Believe, the show about Christian apologetics and theology. My name is Hayden Clark, your host, and today I am excited to introduce my special guest to you. His name is Blake Junta, and uh, he is the creator of beliefmap.org, a Christian apologetics resource uh, that you should definitely check out. But first, Blake, how are you doing today? Awesome, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I really uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, taking time out of your day to do this interview. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Glad to be here. Hey, thank you. Well, uh, for those who may not be familiar with who you are, I know I just gave about a five-second introduction, but please give us a, a bit of a longer introduction and tell us who you are. Um, well, uh, I guess I'm you know, pretty pretty regular guy in uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, 34 years old, married, got a kid on the way, and I, I work in Christian apologetics, so I'm really interested in helping people uh, come to see the truth of Christianity. So do you do you work at a church or do you just uh, you just do this ministry and that's your that's your full time job? Yeah, it's it's belief map in particular. So right, so I um, I was doing apologetics for a while as an enthusiast and I had this really neat idea um, and I ended up uh, fundraising for it and getting support and so now full time I research and write for beliefmap.org. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, well, tell us, tell the audience uh, a little bit about uh, Belief Map. That was going to be my next question anyway. So, what what is exactly Belief Map, and how does it work? Yeah, uh, well, it's kind of if I had to one line it, it's sort of a a flow chart for apologists, except mm-hmm. on steroids. Um, so basically, I try to get people in doing their evangelism to focus on christianity right the great commission sure. uh rather than biblical inerrancy and so my my website is tailored to help people move into belief in god and jesus's historicity uh finally into belief in the resurrection of jesus and if you believe that you're you know you're at the doorstep of the gospel you've right. done the apologist's main job so what belief map does is it analyzes you know these three or there you know there's a fourth one that says jesus is special so these four debates, um, but it does it in a really unique way. So the way that belief map is laid out is, like I mentioned, sort of a flow chart debate between green and red. So green starts off saying, you know, yes, God exists, and then you're off to the races. You um, have all these branching discussion points, and throughout, you know, I think there's like a thousand uh, different branchings wow. throughout those four debates, and I've got about a thousand academic citations sprinkled throughout. So it's a very academic resource at the same time. Great way to explore the debates, though, and see, you know, what's at the end of the rainbow mm-hmm. instead of having to read a book or an article. So yeah. a lot of people seem to like it. Yeah, that's really neat. Kind of uh, really uh, compresses everything and concises everything. So mm-hmm. basically, it'll just be like, uh, is there a conversation starter? Uh, tips as well, or is it just like once you're in a conversation, here's... 
So I do have uh, in the sort of an introduction section of Belief Map tips yeah. on how to have a conversation. But for the most part, it's just – it's the debates themselves. Gotcha. It's, it's kind of like a Wikipedia it is. except yeah. instead of using words, it's propositions. So like mm. the proposition God exists. Well, that's connected to other propositions like the universe had a beginning yeah. or had a cause, you know, which is something I, I know we'll be discussing. Uh, and you know, someone can click on that and see how that's relevant to the existence of God. Well, how do you know that this isn't the case? And that is represented as a red objection. You can click that, and it just keeps going deeper and deeper. You can dive into whatever conversation you'd like. And it feels like having a conversation with um, an expert apologist. That's the aim of Belief Map. Mm -hmm. Man, how much time do you have to? You said a thousand uh, resources or a thousand, yeah, and academic yeah, uh, citations. How long did that take? Well, I've, I've been working on this thing for a decade. Uh, so I, and, and you think that's a lot. You should see my notes. I have yeah. a note system that mirrors the basic structure of what's already up on Belief Map. And it's bananas. So that's what I do all this. I, I, I uh, catalog these back and forths, and I get the you know, at points you you want good solid quotes from experts. Uh -huh. So at, uh, quotes from experts, especially when they're telling you what their whole field is saying, tend to be like rational shortcuts that allow you to believe something without having to dive deeper. Uh -huh. So as a courtesy to some people who don't necessarily want to dive in super deep. Um, there are these quotes that can basically say, you know, you know, this just isn't really disputed, and that allows the person to go ahead and skip to a different objection if they want to. Gotcha. Well, is there any? Let's see. Is there? How often do you have to update it? Like, because uh, you may hear in a debate online or somebody else make an objection, you go, "Oops, never heard that one before." Is that kind of how <laughs> it works, or what? Yeah, um, thankfully, you know, the, the, the debate has been going on for long enough that there's not a lot of new information. Yeah. Um, it, now, at, at the, you know, high, high academic level um, in philosophy, you'll get some interesting new stuff. And, but they're so um, esoteric yeah. a lot of the times that belief map just hasn't got that deep that I have to worry about those levels of nuances. Um, sometimes in the sciences, you know, if there's a new cosmological model, um, that might be worthy of, of uh, adding in and trying to update on. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I'm still trying to get the stuff that's been developed for the past, you know, yeah, yeah. centuries. Sure. Uh, so I've still got a lot of work to do there. But yes, I, I try to update it if it's something particularly important. Yeah. Needs it. Is it just you or do you have a, any help? I'm doing the content. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I've got a really good team of guys who are helping uh, with the coding okay. and some of the aesthetics. That's so, cool. yeah. yeah. So you basically have the whole uh, debate mapped out. That that's kind of the idea. Of belief map. Where does it end? Does it end with uh, Christian theism? It ends with uh, Jesus rose from the dead. Mm -hmm. Is the last debate. Um, I I will be, and I kind of have in a. a sort of blackened out uh, section where you I'm putting some extra information for like you know the Holy Spirit as a person mm. and some of the particular doctrines of Christian theism 
but they're kind of transparented away a little bit because that that's not belief maps main focus right. but i happen to have this good information on it so i wanted somewhere to upload it yeah. but no the the main ending point for belief map is that god did raise jesus from the dead and then there's a link in the navigation panel right below that that basically just articulates the gospel in a rational way so so someone can consider it because once you believe Jesus rose from the dead, like if you've really got that, I, I mean, you're ready to make a decision. So that's what I invite them to do at the end. That's really cool. Okay, so I brought you on, uh, first of all, to talk about belief map, and then also to discuss uh, uh, one major argument for the existence of God. That is the, the case that... Uh, I, I'm starting to correct myself. I should should stop saying the Kalam cosmological argument, but rather a case from the Kalam cosmological argument. Um... And that um, was something I saw you do uh, on uh, uh, Justin Brierley's Unbelievable podcast uh, with uh, the gentleman from Rationality Rules. I can't remember his name. Uh, Stephen something. Stephen Woodford, okay, yeah. Okay, Stephen Woodford, yes, uh, from uh, the popular atheist uh, YouTube channel, uh, Rationality Rules. And that was, uh, that was a really fun uh, debate to watch. That's where I yeah. first heard about uh, uh, your, yourself, but also belief map. And I was like, wow, that's a really interesting concept. And ever since then, I've wanted to have you on, so that's, that's, uh, I'm glad to have you on. But uh, kind of, well, first off, uh, how, do, how was that uh, experience going on, Justin Brierley's uh, unbelievable? I mean, because all those apologetics geeks, like uh, we, I, I'm guessing we all listen to that podcast. We all like that podcast. So what was that like <laughs> actually going on there? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm just as the same as any other apologetics geek. I was listening to it for a long time, too, yeah. and I was like, man, it'd sure be cool to be on there someday. Yeah. And so it just, you know, it ended up happening. Yeah. Uh, one, one coincidence after another. Uh, and how do you feel that that debate went? Did you feel like, uh, you know, I always wonder this, like afterwards, if people are like, crap, I should have said this or that or whatever. But how did you feel afterwards? You feel like, uh, I mean, I felt like you did a great job, but how did you feel? Oh, yeah. I mean, in, in my experience, especially in live like public debates, like you are always thinking, man, I wish, I wish I did this or that. In that discussion, yeah, um, you know, you're always, you'll, you want more time. So there's a lot more than I wanted to say. And, you know, I feel like, oh, I could have said this more clearly. But at the end, I, I guess, you know, I was happy with how it turned out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I thought it went great. Okay. So how often do you do these debates? It seems uh, I didn't get to watch all of them, obviously, but it seems like you actually do quite a few debates. Um, I guess lately I've been in a few. I've, I've had a, a number of debates with a prominent atheist, uh, at least in this area, uh, named Matt Dillahunty. Yeah. Um, but he's the main person I've been doing public debates with. I think I've, I've had three or four with him. Yeah, how did that get started? Uh, uh, he so because Matt Dillahunty's kind of local. Oh, okay. He's, he's you know he's from Waco, so he's he's not too far from you and me. Um, uh, the, and, and thankfully in Dallas, we have the Bible and beer consortium, right? So this is the Ezra Boggs, uh, brainchild and he pulls people into bars, uh, to debate these, you know, interesting issues. And, uh, That's, you know, uh, that, but, is that what I saw? I'm sorry. Cause I was so confused the other day and now this might have just made sense of it. I was watching <laughs> the debate, uh, with Aaron or is it Aaron? raw oh, yeah. and uh inspiring philosophy mm-hmm. where um eric hernandez shows up and asks that question 
And uh, was that uh, was that that looked like it was at a bar? Yeah, that was like, are they at a bar? What's going on? Yeah. So, so this instead is... of doing these things at a church, Ezra's vision and idea was let's go to this neutral area. And so it starts with right this back and forth discussion with two two people that I guess the crowd wants to hear from. And it's really neat. At the end of that, then everybody, you know, will go to the roof or depends on the bar that they're at. Um, and then they'll just everybody will will chat and discuss. And it's a neat way to to interact with people of different ideas. That is neat. I just I was like, is that a bar? That's so funny. Yeah, that's Anyways, what... I was going to say. But yeah, uh, so Ezra had heard of me because I debated a guy named Justin Schieber, which, again, was a really chancy event. And so I guess in his mind, now I'm a Christian <laughs> Apologies yeah, yeah. so and he's looking for debaters and so he pulled me on it was uh, It's interesting how the coincidences stack up, but yeah, yeah then once I debated Matt then other people think I'm a, a Christian debater right, right, right. And I get invited again. <laughs> well, I mean if you debate Matt Dillahunty, then I'm guessing you're probably gonna get invited to do some more debates I mean he's kind yeah. of uh, as far as uh, You know YouTube this conversation between atheists and Christians go. I mean Matt Dillahunty is a pretty uh, popular atheist So yeah um, well, that's, how, that's how it happened. Oh, that's cool, man. Uh, okay, so let's lay out the Kalam cosmological arguments so that we can uh, discuss it. Um, yeah. I'll let you do that. Go ahead. Okay, well, um, so this is a, a really old argument, uh, basically from the, the universe is beginning to exist. So, you know, as long as man has had time to think about it, he's been asking the question of where did everything come from? Why is there a universe at all? And traditionally, uh, atheists have said that, well, the universe is just past infinite. It just goes backwards and backwards and backwards. Uh, it's all eternal, and that's that. So there's no need to start asking questions about ultimate beginnings or anything. And essentially, um, through some early developments in philosophy, uh, there were um, interesting cases that there actually has to be a beginning. Uh, and more recently, we've got some cosmological evidence for the same conclusion, and that opens you up for um, this Kalam cosmological argument. Um, and basically, it's an argument for God on the basis of there being a cause, there needing to be a cause of the beginning, and reasoning a bit about what that cause must look like. So if you want to talk about the core premises of the argument that kind of get it off the ground, uh, premise one of the Kalam says that whatever begins to exist has a cause— Premise two says the universe began to exist, and deductively we can infer three. And it's important to point out um, that the, that phrase, uh, it's beginning to exist, the universe began to exist, is important. A lot of people miss that when they first hear the argument, and they jump to thinking, well, what about God? Would God have a cause? God exists, mm -hmm. and then you have to remind them, well, no, no, you know, uh, th here's the premise, whatever begins to exist. So if God doesn't have a beginning, or if the universe doesn't have a beginning, or, or if uh, abstract objects, if they never began to exist, these are kinds of things that if they exist, no philosopher is going to say they need a cause. Mm -hmm. But if it has a beginning of its existence, then philosophers will start to say that's going to cry out for a causal explanation. Um, so, And that's what the Kalam makes um, use of. Okay. So let's start with uh, premise one. And, well, actually, is that it, or, or are you going to go into the conceptual analysis? 
Well, um, yeah, so I guess you, then you can follow up from there. So, right, once you conclude that the universe... And, I, uh, and I'm I, sorry, and I make that comment because a lot, uh, a lot of times what you'll hear is this, this argument doesn't even mention God. It's, yeah. It's completely useless. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny because it depends on the person you're presenting it to. Some people pick up on the relevance automatically. You don't even have to, like, spell it out for them. Um, other people want you to be like, well, that's, you know, and that's kind of what Stephen did on, on the show. He's like, well, this doesn't technically say anything about God. Um, in which case, you know, you can just spell it out for them and make it easier. Um, not that you have to, but it, it can be helpful. But right, the idea is that if the universe has a cause, uh, and insofar as the universe is all, you know, by definition, all of space and time and matter, uh, then whatever caused the universe, logically, we can say, it must at least be able to exist independently of space, independently of time, and independently of matter. Um, and you can also course uh, conclude that it had the power right it had the ability to cause the universe because it did it and I like to add in that um, it also has the disposition so you can have the power to do something or the ability to do something but just never do it mm -hmm. uh, and in this case whatever the cause was it had both the power and the disposition mm -hmm. so it, it, and then of course the idea is this sounds suspiciously like God <laughs> right well yeah uh, and it's it, it is to be taken, uh, you know, not in and of itself. It's supposed to be taken uh, comprehensively or collectively with other arguments as well, uh, mm -hmm. um, so that we can get to an all good God or um, specifically the Christian God through the resurrection or what have you. Right. But uh, let's let let me play um, you know devil's advocate here and let's go back to the premises. So premise one was everything that begins to exist has a cause and uh well physics physicists um blake have proven that something can in fact come from nothing yeah and, and so yeah you're 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 probably referring to the the so-called virtual particle pairs that can come out of the quantum void uh usually people when they say physics says that uh these uh, it has counterexamples to this premise. That's what they're referring to. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I like I mentioned on the show, that's a, a mistake. That's not what physicists are saying. When physicists are using the word nothing in that context, which by the way, not all of them do, just a, a few sloppy ones, what they mean is space. But um, space in a modern understanding is not an absence of everything. Space is almost like a fluid in the sense that it's really there. You, it can be warped. It has the, all these properties, um, and it has an intrinsic energy content as well. And so there's this quantum foam, and out of this energy, you'll get these virtual particles. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that's not an actual example of something coming from nothing because when we say something can't come from nothing, by which we mean nothing can come to be without a cause or whatever begins to exist has a cause, what we're talking about is the philosopher's notion of nothing, and that's more like what rocks dream of. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, another one that I've, uh, I hear on this, and, and it's, it's just absolutely bizarre to me that uh, anyone would, would try to dispute premise one. Uh, premise two I can understand mm -hmm. a little bit better. I almost feel the same way about it. But premise one is just bizarre to me. But they will, and they'll say, um, we, we've never observed 
nothing. So I don't know how you could possibly know that. And this is basically a it's extreme skepticism, but I don't know how you could know that something can't come from nothing when you've never seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, w- I would respond just by saying, but look at all the things that we have seen, how many of them have come from nothing. Um, it seems like, and by nothing again, we mean without a cause. Mm-hmm. So when we look at any particular object, like your, your microphone there, um, it has a causal history. And so, and that's true of the books behind you. And that's true of everything Uh, in all of our experience without exception, things have had a a causal history. Um, there, they move into this state right here and there's a causal explanation for that. So, um, you, you've got that. You've also got the fact that if things could come into being from nothing or come to exist uncaused, then like what do we do with the absence of things popping in all around us right. so it's not just everything that we see that serves as a justification for premise one but everything that we don't see we don't see you know horses or weird bits of clumps of matter you know popping in everywhere around us that so without exception we've got really good inductive evidence yeah. uh, for the first premise and kind of like you picked up on, it's also very intuitive. It seems like a metaphysical first principle or at least a good candidate for one uh, because of how intuitive it is. Yeah. And, if some, and if you're dealing with a hyper-hyper skeptic, you could even modify the poem uh, to help them out. And you can just say, normally, whatever begins to exist has a cause. And then when you go on to say that the universe began to exist, you can say, okay, so it probably has a cause. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- you know, it, to me, it's not even though as far as far as the first premise goes. It's really not even a uh, a matter of probability or like a, we're well, we mo- like you just said, most likely we we know that something can't come from nothing. Uh, I I understand what the uh, uh, you know how little philosophers want to use the word certain. But I'm pretty sure we can be absolutely certain that something indeed cannot come from nothing. Because that would be, uh, if it did, that would be a logical contradiction. Because the word nothing, it's just that once you comprehend what the word nothing means, you Mm. immediately comprehend that something cannot come from it. Because the word nothing entails the definition of no potential. And so if something did come from it, it couldn't have been something. I mean, it couldn't have been nothing. It was at least potential. Because, yeah, because because yeah, yeah. you see what I mean. Like, it, uh, it, good. It's yeah, just I was gonna say it seems like it, part of that might depend on your metaphysic. So if you think that there are these things that are potentials uh, that are existing uh, things, which I do, um, then I, you could use an argument like that. But most, uh, a lot of people would hesitate to say there's a formal contradiction. Instead, a lot of right. times, Craig will say it's a metaphysical first principle. Some things we can just see are true. Two plus two equals four. You know, doesn't necessarily need some deeper proof before you can know it mm-hmm. in a justified way. Um, this seems to be one of those kinds of principles uh, that that we can just know uh, through uh, rational intuition, for example. Yeah. Okay. So. But for the most part, first premise is pretty well granted. Uh, mm-hmm. The second premise, the universe began to exist. We don't know. We weren't there. We didn't see it. And science has not told us that yet. For example, um, 
we don't know what happened you know moments before the big bang blake uh you can't know that the universe began to exist mm -hmm. so right uh the way this is developed let's let's pass over the um sure logical arguments just for a moment and move to the scientific ones so you're you're talking about the big bang sort of thing yeah well i always get uh i always get man we you physicists or uh, uh whoever don't actually know what happened moments before the big bang and it seems to me that you're holding on to like a <laughs> hey this is there's a split second there we don't we're not sure and since we're not sure we can't conclude that it began to exist it's like but it, everything else looks like it existed you're going to hold on to that but uh, yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that is what I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah, that would be one complaint to get someone who is reasoning that way. And and one thing to remember is that even if you know physicists weren't sure what, what happened in our universe's history, um, you do have these philosophical arguments that seem um, to well substantiate the conclusion. You don't need to wait on physicists to come to certain conclusions like. There are no square circles. Right. Um, you can you can reach conclusions about reality all on your own. Um, but yeah, uh, you do have some extra arguments that have come from uh, cosmology lately. And the the first development was right from from Einstein and his uh, gravity equations, general relativity. And what it says is that the way that the um, universe behaves is going to be governed by the stuff inside of it. And the energy inside of it and essentially what the equations say is that the universe as a whole can expand or contract it's actually highly improbable that it's perfectly static um, in fact that's why he introduced his cosmological constant this highly fine-tuned thing to keep the whole thing static and anyways it was it, he shouldn't have assumed the universe was static he called it his biggest blunder mm -hmm. um, letting his philosophy um, influence his uh, science because we came to find out that the universe in fact is expanding just like his theory uh, had had predicted and so we see the stars receding away from us and from each other the universe really is expanding uh, just like his equations suggested that it was and anyways if you if you play that tape backwards the equations tell you what happens and it essentially uh, ends in this point where everything has collapsed into a singularity or a nothing point. Um, and right, so if you follow if you follow those implications of general relativity all the way to the beginning, you reach a singularity, uh, which corresponds very nicely with the traditional theistic slash Christian idea of creation from nothing. The, um, that's pretty much what we predicted, and a bunch of physicists and people went on record saying, holy smokes, <laughs> yeah. this, this seems to confirm theism. Because, you know, at the time, nobody even remotely expected a result like this. This is wild. You and I have grown used to the idea of the universe having a beginning. But before the, before the 1900s, I mean, that was just mind-boggling to people yeah. that the universe wasn't static. It was like seeing the sun reverse itself kind of thing. Um, so this was a unique prediction of the theistic community, really. And anyway, so we found out that everything traced backwards to a beginning. Holy smokes, what does that mean? What are, yeah. These are gigantic implications, and that's a big part of where the Kalam was born, um, or at least that sort of reasoning. And... Uh, and right, there's uh, quantum mechanics came on came on the scene as well, and we've uh, 
found that at these very, very small levels, these quantum levels, uh, things behave in ways that you wouldn't necessarily predict using general relativity. And so the point is, is that if you trace the universe's collapse down to that very small point, well, we're not quite sure um, what's going to happen. Um, so uh, I, I think you're not irrational for thinking that the predictions of general relativity will continue to hold, okay? I, there's not a proof, but I'd, I'd say you're perfectly rational mm -hmm. in making that extrapolation. And we can give examples of that in other areas of science where one uh, – uh, where, the, where there's a convergence of two fields and the predictions of one um, dovetail nicely into the other. And that would be an example of what's going on here if general relativity continues to predict correctly to the very, very beginning. Um, but as it happens, we also have some additional argumentation, thankfully, that um, say that for any expanding space, no matter what you say about quantum uh, physics or that those first moments, we have theorems. Uh, the board guth Lincoln theorem, I mean, uh, that uh, takes you right to the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, it says, yeah, for any expanding space, there's a proof. Uh, it, as long as it's expanding on average throughout its history, that's the, that's the stipulation, then uh, it definitely has a beginning. And you can show that there's, it contradicts uh, the speed of light um, limit uh, it, otherwise. Um, then you have another theorem that Aaron Wall put out that also is a kind of um, second law of thermodynamics type of argument. So in the background, by the way, uh, another reason to think that the universe has a beginning is that stars are still burning, right? So uh, from the second law of thermodynamics, the usable energy in the world is winding down, and that means if the universe were past infinite, we would have reached a state of heat death already. Okay, the universe would be completely cold, isolated. Every particle would be who knows how far away from other, every other particle. Um, and yet we're not in that situation. So that goes to show that the past, the, the past bound is only a finite distance away. Well, this too has challenges. We're not quite sure what, what will hold at the quantum era. And so this is where uh, Aaron Wall's theorem comes in. And it says, well, there's a generalized... Uh, second law of thermodynamics that will apply even in the quantum situations and once again you reach the conclusion that there's a beginning aside from like this highly contrived uh, uh, escape path where basically time reverses itself. If time reverses itself at the Big Bang uh, point then you have an escape route but that's just not not good. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Well, that was probably uh, there. It was drinking from a a, 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 a a fire hydrant for me. That was a lot of information. But uh, there is, you said there are some philosophical reasons to believe that the universe had a beginning. And so, uh, even if all this science, you know, fails us or whatever, and or it, at the end of the day, doesn't really establish that the universe had a beginning. Um, what are the philosophical argument? Because it seems to me that the Kalam cosmological argument is not dependent on Big Bang cosmology, right. um, and that's for these philosophical reasons. Yep, yep. Uh, I'd say there are three branches of argument um, that are related to the impossibility of a past infinite. The first says that, hey, 
no actual infinite of any kind be, can be instantiated in the world. Are there the philosophers second... who debate this? Do some people think that oh, yeah. they can? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Plenty of philosophers think that an actual infinity can be instantiated in the world. Um, but fewer of them will say that a past uh, infinite can be instantiated in the world. And then, right, for there to be a, a past causal infinite regress, that you're, you've dwindled down even further. So like Alexander Proust uh, is a very well-known Christian philosopher. Um, he thinks that infinities can be instantiated in the world, but he's very um, you know, sure that you can't have <laughs> a past causal history. Does he give some kind That's of infinite. example of what could work in the real world in a real infinite? Um, no, I don't think he gives it a precise example, but I mean, you could probably just throw something at him like, well, you could have a, a gigantic universe with an infinity of stars, mm. maybe. I don't know how that would, I don't know if you'd affirm that precisely, but something like that. Or you, or you could have an infinity of angels, right, mm. that God creates that maybe they may not even exist in time, and he would say that that's coherent. Um now, William Lane Craig, of course, is the main proponent of the Kalam cosmological argument, and he disagrees. He thinks that uh, you run into these really nasty paradoxes that yeah. well, if you, uh, don't, yeah. allow for, right, don't allow for an actual infinity. So he'll uh, – and I, I, there's some sense to it. So let me give this simple one. This is okay. from Craig. But, for example, suppose you had um, this tug of war. Uh, the infinity tug of war between two teams, team A and team B, they each have an infinity of members. And the idea is if um, there, if infinities can be instantiated in the world, there's nothing in principle that's that's wrong with positing this kind of scenario. I mean, you did an infinitely tight rope and stuff, but if we can show an incoherence in this situation, then that would give us reason to think that infinity being instantiated is the culprit. Mm -hmm. So the thought experiment goes like this. Imagine they're both both teams are pulling as hard as they can. Each person has just as much power as the other. And yet suddenly every other person on team B lets go. Yeah. And what what would happen, you know, imagine it in your mind. Very clearly team A would be yanking team B and they'd win. Um, however, that's wrong, right. actually. In fact, the cardinality for both teams remains the same. Right. Infinity. They each have an infinity of horsepower, so to speak, pulling. And no matter how – even if you kept you know, only one out of every billion people on Team B and, and all the other people let go suddenly, the rope would remain taut. Nothing would change. So the idea there is this is absurd. Yeah. And if you agree that it's absurd, where is the absurd very you may want to say, well, the absurdity is trying to say that you can have an infinity of things in the world in the first place. Right. Craig gives all sorts. There's all sorts of examples of paradoxes that come out. Yeah, of Yeah, and, and I always hear about the paradoxes. I'm just, uh, I'm always like, those just seem like illustrations. And at the end of an illustration, I'm supposed to get some kind of principle or some kind of rule mm -hmm. by which we can go. Oh, okay. Here's the rule that comes out of the that illustration. And I've yet to hear like, okay, well, what is it? Exactly. Like, I get that's a paradox, but what's the rule by which you can be sure that uh, these uh, uh, real, uh, real infinities can't exist? Is there anything like that, or is it just show them a paradox and that's, a, that's enough? Well, 
Well, the idea is you show them a paradox. They have to agree that it, this is impossible, that this couldn't happen. And then you have to fend off any attempts that they have to say, well, the reason why this couldn't happen isn't because of infinity. The infinity isn't the culprit. This other thing's the culprit. And what but, what, what examples are, are there of that? Um, I, you know, I don't know specifics. I know okay. Grandma just just has a general complaint that says, well, maybe you know, for these paradoxes that people give, um, uh, maybe that particular scenario they're describing is impossible. But for all we know, infinity just isn't the culprit in that case. For all, well, for all we know, well, yeah. If that's how reason works, and <laughs> well, for all we know. <laughs> Yeah, I think most people examining one paradox after another and seeing that infinity seems to be at the heart of it um, will at least feel something in yeah. favor of the conclusion that infinities can't be instantiated in the world. Okay. And then you've got the second class of argumentation that says you can't have a, an infinite regress in particular. Um, and so the, the reasoning here is, is something along the lines of, you know, you, you wouldn't believe that a man jumped out of a bottomless pit. Um, you have that sort of, of reasoning. And then finally you have causal finitism, which I mentioned Proust is an advocate of, and he'll, he'll, um, uh, he's got a paradox, this grim reaper paradox that takes a little while to explain that, um, he thinks satisfies, um, uh, this criterion of establishing that infinities of this particular kind can't exist. And so he finds that that convincing, and um, and but the conclusion is the same. If if that conclusion holds, you can't have an uh, an infinite causal regress. Uh, then guess what? The universe has a beginning because right. the past is dependent on all prior moments, or all the all the moments stack up in that dependency kind of way. Okay. So we've got those are the philosophical arguments, and I think that. Like I said, with with or without the science, those are going to get you to the conclusion that the universe had a beginning. Mm -hmm. So what are some, uh, uh, rather than me try to play devil's advocate, you're the guy that debates people, so you deal with this all the time. So what are some uh, uh, major or popular objections that you get to? Uh, any of those premises or the uh, reasoning itself uh, or the conceptual analysis as well, which we haven't got to yet, what are some popular uh, objections that you get on the claw uh, when you uh, when you whenever you make the argument. Well, let's see. I'm gonna go to belief map and maybe we'll. Pull hey, one there up. you go. Good idea. So I'm gonna go to belief map. I'm clicking on God exists, Green's first claim, and I'm clicking on this claim from Green next that physical reality began to exist, and then I've got some objections from from Red. So Red might say, "So what? The cause is not God." Okay, maybe. So someone might say that you know God isn't an explanation, <laughs> yeah. So uh, of anything, and that's going to be a general objection that applies to all sorts of stuff, um, or that God wouldn't have a reason to. Um, then we've got uh, so what it, it began with no cause. So that's basically a rejection of the um, the first premise. So here here's something that um, someone might say is that matter. Uh, can't be created, right? So the first law of thermodynamics says that matter can't be created or destroyed. And this is relevant because if uh, physical reality began to exist, then in contradiction to the first law of thermodynamics, matter would have begun to exist as well. Hmm. So I there's was, an objection. 
Uh, yeah, I would have no idea what to say to that. I didn't know that's. Uh, I did know that's what the first law of thermodynamics said, but I didn't think of it like that. So, what, yeah. would, you, what <laughs> would you say to that? Okay, so I'll just tell you what belief map says. First, yeah. it it gives belief map always gives two kinds of responses. The first is no, and the second is so what. And this has one of each. <laughs> the first says no. Uh, what you're claiming is false. Um, that's a law of space time. And it does not apply to objects independent of space-time. So this is specifically something that this is a law of physics. This isn't a metaphysical law. This is a law of physics. But we're talking and, about matter. Mm -hmm. So matter is space-time. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a it's part of space-time. Okay. Right. So did I miss? Okay. Maybe I missed it. Will you say it again? Sorry. Well, so the original claim was that matter. Uh, can't be created or destroyed and the idea is that when you're dealing with space and time hmm. then in objects governed by laws of physics gotcha. uh, this domain then then yes that's something you can use to predict the, the first law of thermodynamics doesn't say anything about the universe as a whole it doesn't say anything about what God can or can't do right. or anything like that and that that uh, connects to the second objection, which is, so what if you've got this first law of thermodynamics? That would only mean that it's naturally impossible. Yeah. Um, it would be like saying, you, you know, that we have this law of physics that ultimately results in saying dead people don't come back to life, uh, therefore Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And our response is, yeah, but what if God exists? Yeah. Um, and God had reason to raise Jesus from the dead. Um, what you're talking about are natural laws, the things that natural objects can do, and God isn't restricted to the things that nature can do. God has additional powers, yeah. and in this case, God is perfectly capable of creating matter. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. What else, what, what else does belief map have for us? Let's see here. So if I'm going to say... That uh, do, do you got something on the? Uh, uh, some people will just try to call into question whether or not, uh, and I don't really know that much about this, but uh, that uh, if this is how cause and effect really works, and they get into kind of epistemology and how you can't really argue backwards from an effect to a cause. I guess is what they would try to say. They, can you elaborate on that? You can't argue backwards from an effect to a cause. No, I don't I know anything about it. I just hear this all, all the time from atheists um, uh, that you can't infer. From, so the Kalam cosmological argument is arguing that uh, based on the effects that we see, the universe, the effect we can argue backwards to a cause. And I think that they would. I think they try to uh, call into question just that sort of reasoning and say that it's not. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's actually not a valid form of reasoning or something. Maybe it has something to do with Hume or a philosopher that called it into question. I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, so if you um, want to use extrapolative inference, you have the problem of induction where it's something like just because this is how things have always behaved in the past doesn't mean that that's how they're going to behave in the next instance or in the future. Okay. I don't think that that would um, apply here as much. Yeah. And uh, in our case, the what we're inferring from the uh, conclusion of the Kalam are things that can be deduced from the conclusion. Mm -hmm. So given that the universe is the whole with space, time, and matter, and given that the universe has a cause, <laughs> and given that something can't cause itself, 
-hmm. Well, we've got a cause that exists independently of space, time, and matter. That's pretty simple. Yeah, and pretty I, I, don't, I don't see them being able to escape that, mm -hmm. that conclusion. That makes sense. Well, well, another one that you do here on this is that, okay, even if you oh, – so this is a good one. So even if uh, I, I, we grant the argument the universe has a cause, and that cause <laughs> is – I think you could even grant the conceptual analysis. Um, um, but uh, some would say that's, this doesn't prove that this is the first cause. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how do you get to God if, it, if, it, if this doesn't even prove that it's a first cause? Well, um, so the philosophical argument would say that there's a first cause because okay. you can't have an infinite causal regress, so you, you do ultimately get to a first cause. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of the scientific argument that the universe had a beginning, um, it's, we actually don't even need to say that uh, the cause is the first cause. Now, you and I would say, well, that's the simplest explanation why I posit more strings of causes than you need to um, but if you have a cause of the universe that cause exists independently of space time and matter and has these all these properties of God um, and whether you want to say we've just established we've just had fulfilled a phenomenal prediction of Christian theism and and what whether or not we say that it's the first cause um, we could just conclude that because it's such good evidence of God, this hypothesis that was already on the table that we were talking about beforehand, um, you should conclude that it's the first cause because God is the first cause, mm -hmm. and we just gave such good evidence of God. Mm -hmm. Well, something existing, and I may be thinking wrongly here, but something that exists independent of time, I think it would be impossible that that thing had a cause. Not quite. No. Um, yeah. So the in fact, even necessary things can be caused. There can be dependent relationships. In fact, if you think about the first moment of the universe, the Big Bang, um, God created the universe, quote unquote, without time. Right. Right. So the universe depends atemporally on God. That is to say, some causes temporally. Um, precede their effects, but there are also uh, what philosophers call instances of simultaneous causation. Uh, this might, this is like the old, the old example is a bowling ball causing a depression in a pillow. Sure. And it, it, it's causing, it's there. You're seeing it cause that depression, and yet it doesn't require time for the causation to right. do its work. Also, a chandelier. You know, being held up by a chain. Right. The chain is causing the chandelier to be right where it is. This sounds, yeah, this sounds a lot like uh, you know Aristotle or Aquinas's argumentation. Whenever they make a cosmological argument. Yeah. So the idea there is you don't necessarily need a temporal difference between the cause and effect. Yeah. But even if there's no difference in time frame, there can be a dependency relationship, a causal dependency, and this is the relationship that, at least on Craig's view. The universe stands in relation to God. God atemporally causes the universe to begin to exist. And then God enters into time with the universe and, and time proceeds from there. So God is experiencing time with us um, according to his will. Hmm. Wow. That's an interesting thought. Okay. Well, we've been talking for a while. I don't want to hold you up all day, but I really appreciate uh, you coming on and agreeing to do this. 
Um, a lot of good information about the Kalam cosmo cosmological argument. Uh, guys, if you want to find out more about Blake or about uh, Belief Map, go, go to beliefmap.org and check all that out. It's a great resource. Um, if you want to stick around and watch the bonus segment, be sure to follow the Patreon link in the description below and become a supporter of the show. Uh, we appreciate all of our supporters out there. Again, Blake, I appreciate you coming on. One last question before we uh, go to the bonus segment. What would you say to anybody out there who is uh, an, as an aspiring apologist who uh, really wants to, whether it be at their church or whatever, uh, get into apologetics and really uh, sp spread, uh, I was going to say spread the good news, but spread the news that, uh, you know, uh, w there's good reasons to believe. We don't have to take this stuff on blind faith. What would you say to any aspiring apologist out there? Um, I'd say don't make up your own arguments, as tempting as it is. Uh, find <laughs> find a good resource. I highly recommend uh, checking out the Ministry of Reasonable Faith uh, with William Lane Craig. They've got great animated videos, great just tons of great resources. I would I would say master all that material and go out and, and into the world and and I mean honestly, once you have the material in your head, you can't help but talk about it. Yeah. Uh, it has been my experience. Once it's there, and then you hear your friends, you know, talking about it, or yeah. you overhear someone in a conversation, it's it's hard not to talk. And the secret is just having that information. So have an interest in it. Check out Reasonable Faith. Beliefmap.org can help you too. Uh, if you're if you're wanting like a really quick way to explore those discussions and see what's at the end of the rainbow. Um, and, and, you know, listen to podcasts like these whenever you get a chance. And before you know it, you'll, you'll be ready to go. Yeah. Well, again, Blake, uh, thanks so much. And again, to the audience, uh, if you want to watch a bonus segment, uh, follow that link in the description. Uh, thanks so much for agreeing to do this, Blake. Uh, I really appreciate it. And it was nice to meet you, sir. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Hey guys, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, leave us a review. And of course, if you want to watch the bonus segment, five more minutes, be, be sure to follow the Patreon link in the description and uh, become a supporter of the show. Thanks so much for joining us, guys, and we'll see you next time.